Is the U.S. manufacturing recovery in trouble? This is Cliff Waldman. I'm the host of Cliff Notes on the global manufacturing picture. Welcome to this month's episode. I'm Cliff Waldman. Uh, This is one of many shows on Manufacturing Talk Radio, and I have been following the recovery from the pandemic-induced crash in, in manufacturing for you that basically happened in March and April, and I am not happy and I'm very concerned about recent numbers. Let's talk about it. This morning, the Federal Reserve released its invaluable 100-year-old industrial production report, and it revealed some disturbing numbers for manufacturing. After a 5% plunge and a 16% crash in March and April, U.S. manufacturing output has, for the good news, experienced four consecutive months of growth through August. But the growth has slowed dramatically from 7.5% in June to 3.9% in July to just 1% in August. Now, of course, nobody expects the June and July pace to be sustained. Those are not normal numbers, but of course, we're climbing out of an historic hole. But the rapidity and the abruptness of the slowdown in manufacturing output growth is concerning, especially as output, manufacturing output, remains nearly 7% below year-ago levels. Key subsectors of U.S. manufacturing, machinery and motor vehicles, which have been sort of trendsetters and leaders in uh, in manufacturing growth, and particularly motor vehicles, was leading us out of the deep pandemic-induced hole, the data for those two sectors offered reason for concern in August. Machinery output growth slowed from 3.1% growth in July to 1% growth in August, and it remains 11.5% below year-ago levels. That's not what you would like to see in a recovering economy that should be experiencing some resurgence, however mild, in business equipment investment. Motor vehicle output, even worse, actually declined, actually contracted by 3.7% in August. Now, there is an ambiguity with motor vehicles. We had outsized and in some cases triple-digit gains in motor vehicle output after um, April. But again, you would certainly expect to see slower numbers after that. I am concerned that it was an out-and-out decline in August. That's not what we should be seeing at this point. Machinery and auto demand are key drivers of U.S. manufacturing strength. So the question that has to be asked and that I will be looking at in the coming months is demand from those two key sectors – business equipment machinery, cars, and everything to do with cars, is that key demand waning? These these data from the Fed, from the actual measure 
of manufacturing and subsector of manufacturing output growth appear to be at odds with the much-followed Institute for Supply Management Manufacturing Survey numbers. The August report from ISM showed notably strong data in new orders, production, and the backlog of orders. Now, these data aren't always harmonized with each other. They can get off kilter in, in any one month. Often the case that the ISM numbers will overstate the strength in manufacturing relative to the actual measures of output that we find in the Federal Reserve uh, report, which is an actual measure of output. But this is the starkest difference we've seen in quite some time. My best guess is that survey data in this environment, in the immediate aftermath of the crash that came from a once-in-100-year pandemic, are going to be subject to some difficult interpretation issues. And that's because the respondents are going to have some difficulty with uh, viewing both demand and supply chain issues, some very understandable difficulties in responding to survey questions on what's going on with demand, uh, what's going on with supply chain. That's going to be a problem as we try to use these data going forward to say what's going on. So I'm guessing that my bias with the data going forward to try to see what is and what is not happening with manufacturing is to be, although that, that ISM survey is quite valuable, began in 1931 for manufacturing, I'm going to be a little more biased toward the Federal Reserve report and actual measures of output just because it's got to be so difficult for survey respondents to have visibility. Let's talk about jobs for a second. I have been opining on the jobs data both here on the podcast and in my LinkedIn notes. And I've said in the past couple of months that while the ISM numbers seem strong, while at least the beginning of the manufacturing recovery since the April, April early May bottom seems strong, the jobs numbers were difficult because in May and June, we had a pretty good jobs recovery in manufacturing, averaging 287,000 for that month. But in July and August, it all but crashed to an average of 35,000. Well, if you wait long enough, things do tend to make sense. With the release of the August manufacturing uh, output data and the the significant slowdown that we have seen in everything that I just told you, it's now no longer a mystery as to why manufacturing job growth slowed so dramatically in July and August. In some ways, those jobs numbers were sort of forecasting this slowdown that the August data now showed clearly. I am afraid that if manufacturing output growth does not pick up 
and steady out considerably, reasonably considerably in the coming months, that we are actually going to see a decline. We're actually going to see a loss of U.S. manufacturing jobs. And that is a loss of any jobs, any more jobs, is pretty much the last thing the United States needs at this point. When you talk about jobs, you often think about small business. Overall, small business, the small business population is responsible for important job growth in the United States economy. And it also is uh, responsible for um, important job growth in manufacturing. That's, that's jobs in the supply chain. There's been some evidence that, you know, that, that part of manufacturing down, further down the supply chain has been responsible for more uh, manufacturing jobs. So let, let's take a look at the NFIB, the National Federation of Independent Business Small Business Data Set, an excellent data set. 40 years of monthly and quarterly history, and you can slice it and dice it by sectors. So there is the availability of small manufacturing data. Now, small business data from NFIB showed the prevalence of job losses in small manufacturing was worse in April and May than the prevalence of job losses in the total small business population but they were about the same in June, July, and August. The latest reading on employment plans, plans to increase employment in the next three months, was about the same for manufacturing as for small business. Now, again, plans, asking it's survey data, asking them about plans, it's always difficult anyway, and it may be especially difficult now. But I think this shows that, you know, there is the same kind of weakness in the, you know, the, the propensity to hire in manufacturing, at least in the small business side of it, as there is in the broad small business population. And what that tells me is that I re- reiterates the fact that I really want to see a good, solid rebound from this sluggish 1% that we had in growth that we had in uh, August to keep climbing out of the hole that we dug ourselves into in April in the manufacturing output. And that, it's all the, that it becomes all the more important to prevent us from losing manufacturing jobs. We are still well below February levels on manufacturing jobs. What about the global climate? Well, at the end of October, we will start to get third quarter data in major, third quarter growth data, GDP data in major countries. And I will do a podcast that gives a little more detail and goes a little more uh, in detail in the, um, in, into the, the global picture and how it relates to manufacturing prospects. For now, I would say that the best thing that the U.S. manufacturing sector has going for it in the international environment is China's growth resurgence. It's a slow one, but it's a very definite rebound in growth. We're starting to even see retail sales pick up um, in China, as well as the fact that the dollar is falling. The broadest measure of the nominal dollar, which includes – 
a package of the dollar going against both developed and developing countries fell by 5% between April and August. That's because of relative weakness in the management of the pandemic in the United States relative to other rich nations, as well as a very, very aggressive Fed that seems quite determined for now to hold interest rates at historic lows. That's a good thing for manufacturing. In 2014 or so, we had a big run-up in the dollar. And that created a significant stress. And since then, it's created a significant stress for manufacturing because it makes it less. It makes the price of their goods in foreign currencies less competitive, and that makes it more difficult to sell U.S. manufactured output overseas. So the fall in the dollar that we have seen actually becomes a tailwind in a very difficult time and in a very difficult global environment um, for U.S. manufacturing. I will be following the dollar story. It could be, you know, one of the few truly good things that, um, you know, that we can point to right now with manufacturing. So in conclusions, what am I going to look for? Well, First of all, what, will, uh, in the, what am I going to look for in the coming months? As I said, we're at kind of an inflection point. I'm concerned about the viability and the sustainability of this output uh, recovery that we've had in manufacturing. I'm certainly going to look at what's going to happen with the general U.S. recovery, particularly as it relates to business investment. We make a lot of business machinery in the domestic U.S. manufacturing base. I'm obviously going to look at what's going to happen with global growth, and I'm going to be paying attention at the end of October, particularly to those third-quarter GDP numbers from the major countries, as well as what's going on with the dollar. Finally, the obvious point, and one you'll hear from me over and over again, what's happening with the virus. It's a constant daily story to follow where we are with this, what it's going to happen, we know the resurgence of the virus in the United States and around the world creates supply chain disruptions. And some ones that you can't even necessarily see at first, but you feel the impacts of. Suddenly you can't get apart. Suddenly supplier deliveries are much slower than they should be given demand. Those things matter to the manufacturing output. I will be on top of them and I will be reporting them. Until next time, this is Cliff Waldman for Cliff Notes on the global manufacturing picture. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.